and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Legi. Please share widely with others. Please subscribe. It makes a huge difference indeed. Today, we are thinking outside the box a little bit, and we are looking at science and visualizing or conceptualizing or anticipating what scientific breakthroughs might come around in five years or 10 years time that will improve our planet that will improve humanity, that will help drive forward the sustainable development goals. And that's exactly what my friend and repeat guest does for a living. So it's a pleasure to welcome back onto the show, Sandra Giuliani, who is an executive director at JESTA. JESTA is the Geneva Science and Diplomacy Anticipator. He heads up the Impact Forum and Impact Fund there, and he's someone who's been on the show a couple of times before, and it's always insightful and enjoyable to have him on the show. Sandro, welcome back onto the Do One Better podcast. Ciao, Alberto. I'd love to find out a bit more about the Geneva Science and Diplomacy Anticipator, or GESTA. I know a bit in terms of you're based in Geneva, and you do some interesting work with technology and policy and philanthropy, but that's the extent of my knowledge. I'd love to find out a little <laughs> bit more about it. The main idea behind JESTA, and the name says it more or less, so it's the Geneva Science and the Diplomacy Anticipator. So it starts really from the hypothesis, or not the hypothesis, the fact that um, the world is experiencing breakthrough sciences at an unprecedented speed. So we really are year by year coming up with new breakthrough sciences in information technology, in biotechnology, also in, in the whole eco, eco regeneration, so that the whole um, planetary um, research that is ongoing, which um, will change our way of acting dramatically in the future. Um, and our question is, if we can anticipate these, uh, these emerging technologies, can we unlock their potential to, to positively address and benefit humanity? Um, so how can we make sure that by be early on knowing in what direction and technologies and science is going, how can we try to steer um, the unfolding and the development of these technologies um, for the benefit um, of society? So that's really the key question. And at the same time, and I would say COVID is just um, showing that this is just accelerated. We have a strong crisis of the multilateral architecture. Mm -hmm. So we really have a problem with our multilateralism right now. It's under stress. And what we would like to offer with JESTA, and this is why it's positioned in Geneva, which is the, the, the hub of, of the second biggest hub of the, of the UN after New York, um, is can we really try to bring in the key actors, once we have spotted the technological developments, can we bring in the key multilateral actors, the key diplomacy actors, the key private sector actors, the key civil society actors, um, to jointly see how the, these technologies could be steered positively for human mankind. Mm -hmm. So ideally, this is a, this is a new uh, a basis for a new way of multilateralism. Um, that is science driven, not just science informed, that, it, that is at its core, science-driven. Mm -hmm. what, what is the crisis with the multilateral framework? Well, um, we, we have just seen that um, the, the, the setup that we have, which is basically highly dependent on, on core funding um, from, the, from few organizations for maintaining the stability of this system. Um, and the dependency um, that we just see right now with one funder backing off um, with the US, for example, in this case, but it could be later on another one. 
um, that um, it is not anymore on the one side um, funded properly. On the second side, it has um, you have the 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 power games which are not coming at the end of the day to a solution because you have veto rights left and right um, so you're really blocking at who at wto um, at the un security council um, we are really in a deadlock situation right now where key key improvements key developments are not taken um, because of of the the rigid system we have right now and the, because of the of the tensions that these um, superpowers have right now so i think we need to find a way which is um, more agile, which is not so institutionalized, but maybe more focus on a concrete issue that we'd like to solve, on a concrete technology that we'd like to unfold, on a concrete idea that we would like um, to bring um, to bring out, and maybe be a bit less um, institutionalized heavy. Hmm. How did the um, how did Jesta or Geneva Science and Diplomacy Anticipator how did how did Jesta come about? Whose idea was it? Who's funding it? Uh, who's behind it? Well, the, I would say the beginning was really the Swiss. Um, it's it's a Swiss-led um, initiative, so Swiss government-led indirectly, um, because the Swiss government was asking what what role can we play in in global diplomacy? What is the role that Switzerland, as an owner's broker, broker, can really play um, to to have an impact in global diplomacy? That's on the one side. On the other side, Switzerland. Um, if you do would do a, a G7 or a G5 of the academic um, um, countries with the highest academic potential, Switzerland would be among the, the G5. So it's a very strong academic-oriented country. We have with ETH and EPFL and two of the, the strongest um, research universities in the continent. Um, so it's really a place where um, science and diplomacy are really at, at, at the core. And we have Geneva. Um, so the idea was really how can we use um, these these assets to come up with a proposal that is to the to the public good of of, of society and to the planet um, that we could in this place come up with uh, the Geneva Science and Diplomacy Anticipator as a tool for foreign policy of Switzerland, but not to support the economic development in Switzerland, really to support the global development and the global multilateralism. So that's the beginning. So it really came out um, of this understanding that we need to do something and out of the analysis that Switzerland has quite a unique position and potential to develop it. And so the core, the, the startup funding, we are funded for three years. We are a foundation. So we were set up by the um, by the Swiss government, but we are now an independent foundation um, that had uh, the first 50% of the startup funding or the first 40% of the startup funding coming from the, the government itself. And this was matched by, by philanthropy. Um, so I would say we need another more or less 2 million and to, to complete the startup funding. Um, and then we have really time now, two to three years, to prove and to showcase what this, this promise that we have in mind can really deliver on the ground. Um, so what we will do right now is um, on some um, scientific um, topics, on some emerging challenges, um, on information technology, there are different ways that you could look at, at, at computing. Um, is it quantum computing? Is it bio-inspired computing? So what, what is the future of computing, which of course will be the engine of artificial intelligence? So we have uh, um, a group of people looking into that. We have a group of people looking into human augmentation. 
and the questions, how can you augment your consciousness? How can you augment your morality? How can you extend your, your, your life expectation? Uh, so what will be the impact of this um, biotechnological um, um, tools and technologies in the future for humanity? We will look into um, the whole questions about um, eco-regeneration. So how can we make sure that our planet is decarbonized, that our planet um, has a circular economy that makes sure that we that we really can um, live and, and have a livable planet um, for the next hundreds of years and not just for the next 10 of years. Sure. So this, these platforms, they will come up by October with scientific anticipatory briefs. So really with, with a condensed view on what will the future potentially bring in the next 10 years in these scientific fields. And as soon as we have them, we will then bring together the coalition of actors. We will then um, set up um, task forces to see which of these um, technologies would we like to tackle and steer in the right direction and by setting up a new institution, by setting up a new regulatory framework, by enhancing some technology development. So I cannot tell you what we will do concretely, mm -hmm. because this all depends on this on these anticipatory briefs, which will be done um, by October. And then starting from then, we can start really working on solutions. That's really that's really cool, actually. <laughs> um, when you say we have people looking at uh, artificial intelligence or the nature of computing or uh, human augmentation, who are these people? Are, are you working with specific academic institutions? Are they yeah. are they yeah, yeah. employed by you? Are you uh, appointing them on a project basis? How is that all coming together right now? I think this is really the fundamental basis to have um, the outreach to the best researchers on these topics. Um, we do this through an academic forum, we call it. Um, so it is um, a way that we organize the reach out to the best scientists worldwide on these topics. Um, this academic forum is chaired um, and co-chaired by the two presidents of our two strong research universities we have in Switzerland. And so the ETH um, with Joël Maison um, and the EPFL with Martin Vetterli. So these two presidents are um, assigning per platform two moderators to scientific uh, moderators who are really um, have the overview on these fields um, globally. Um, and we have just had the first workshop with these moderators last Saturday. And these moderators will now reach out through their networks to the US, to, to, to Asia, um, to, to Africa, to, to other European countries to identify and contact the specific researchers which are in their labs developing the future. Um, and they together will then come up um, with the scientific anticipatory briefs by fall. So it's, it's really um, a collective action um, of, of scientists um, that we are, um, it's not that we're paying much because we are a startup, we are a multilateral startup. Mm. It's really, we want to work together with scientists that want to make a change, that see that through such an initiative, they could increase and, and, and multiply their impact. So that are looking beyond just scientific publications, but that really would like to be at the core of something um, bigger that, that could change parts of the way we live um, in the future. So it's really based on their interests and their thrive. And we just realized everybody wants to participate. Um, so it's, we don't need to push. It's really, I think at the moment, it's really a pull factor because um, everybody's so excited that this could be something. We need to deliver in, 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 on this promise. But um, we all are very excited that we could be part of, of a cool solution for the future. Amazing. These um, 
these anticipatory briefs, you're expecting them by October and you're expecting them to have what, uh, an overview of the, the landscape in a particular area and then some some key challenges to overcome or key action points or well, we should get you on board. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that. <laughs> That's that, well. Basically, it's really describing the technology per se. So, what will be the technology of the future in this field? And then the second one is what will be the emerging challenges out of that for society? So, we have three questions that this um, everything we do needs to be needs to try to answer. And um, the first question is who are we, and what does it mean to be human? at the age of robots, gene editing and augmented reality. So the question of people. And the second one, the emerging challenge you would like to look into is how are we going to live together? And which technologies can be developed to help reduce inequality and foster inclusive development? And the third question and that we will look at through these um, platforms is how can we ensure that the well-being of humankind and the sustainable health of our planet? So what? how can technology help um, have a sustainable and healthy planet um, in harmony with, with, with mankind. So these briefs will all also at the end, when it goes towards solution spotting, um, the solutions will not be yet um, de developed fully in the briefs, it's, it's, but just more a spotting. Of course, this will be in the context of our three questions, people, society and planet. Mm. And then, and then based on what the direction is, we will bring the right people on board. Um, um, is, it, is it people from the UNHCR, from the Human Rights Committee? Is it people from the development, UNDP? Is it, is it working with the WEF? Is it working with, with Microsoft on quantum computing? Is it um, working with civil society actors to, to raise the awareness of, of future developments? So we'll need to see. Um, is it working with philanthropy, of course? I mean, this is a podcast about also about philanthropy. Who are philanthropy actors that are not mainly just the funders, but that are the, the co-conveners and, uh, and the co-trusted partners to promote and push for, this, um, for, for these topics to be taken on later on. So this will be then the outreach phase that we start in fall. Hmm. I'm not surprised that you have no scarcity of people being interested in working with this uh, initiative because it sounds to me that featuring in one of these anticipatory briefs could be highly consequential, uh, sort of like when you see nascent yeah. standards. So once you come up with these briefs and what sort of partners are you looking for? I mean, geographically, are you agnostic or is there specific geographic areas you're most concerned with? And, um, and how would you go about that sort of um, creating those partnerships. What's uh, what's that looking like? Yeah, well, I would say for the regional focus, um, as global as possible, as much as possible, focus on the least developed regions um, and 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 um, really help the marginalized. So it's not it's not the pro it's not a program to support Swiss and UK citizens to have the cooler glasses in five years to, to see um, um, at night and, and see through, mm -hmm. through things. Uh, this might also be one, but it's not, it's not what we care for. We really care um, to make sure that this is a tool for inclusive development. So we will strongly focus um, in the way we set up the coalitions and partnerships that we have an outreach globally. Um, especially on the most um, um, most um, needed um, regions with the highest need, and this is why um, working with and through um, the UN system is one of the um, one of the of the key assets, and I would say also of the key success factors. Um, and we have the um, so in our diplomacy forum, parallel to the 
um, academic forum, we have a diplomacy forum and where we are just right now reaching out to all these diplomacy actors, to governments, to these international um, government organizations. Um, and the chair of this forum is the former um, head of office of the UN in Geneva. Right. And so um, so this is helping tremendously, of course, to, to, to reach out to these organizations. And it's the same as with the scientists. Um, everybody is super keen to participate and is designating um, staff members that are uh, we are in touch with us to be ready as soon as the briefs are here to then set up the coalitions based on the concrete topic and need that these briefs are are setting up. We had a meeting with the WEF, the World Economic Forum, that is also based in Geneva. So, of course, we will also make sure and see that how that we can um, have the right synergies and collaboration potential with this tremendous public-private partnership platform that is just around the corner. So we have dedicated, we have a, I have a colleague who is the executive director of the academic forum, and I have a colleague who is executive director of the diplomacy forum. Um, so my part of the job later on will be really when it goes about creating not just um, and task forces, but, but setting up project teams and, 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 and implementing and funding these project teams. So really go to the impact side of the whole setup. Mm. Um, so reaching out also to philanthropy. Um, so if you are still in boards of important foundations, I will for sure reach out <laughs> to you to see if, if this is something we could do together. You handle, um, so you handle, you oversee the impact forum and the impact fund. Yeah, the idea would be that we raise a fund. Mm -hmm. um, it, it would be rather on the seed funding side of these initiatives, not for the full funding, because, I mean, this needs then much, much heavier um, funding structures. But the idea would be that we have a, a more or less 50 million um, impact fund to be able to seed fund initiatives coming out of this funnel. Um, for the early um, testing and development phase. And then later on, of course, um, partner with the right bigger development financing, financing institutions um, once um, programs are here to be set up much stronger or institutions to be created. So then, um, of course, our fund will be much too, much too small to fund it. But my job will be to set up a fund and to collect the money for this fund and then deploy um, the money in these um, initiatives um, at the beginning of the phase. When you talk about 50 million, you're talking about what currency? Swiss francs, so equivalent to US dollars. And this is this is a, a impact fund. It's not a, a return cap capital investment fund. So it's not about making any um, returns because we are so much earlier than time. We're not in, in the market. So it's not about technologies that can be in the market next year. So it's really not about a classical VC fund, uh, which is expecting um, um, return rates. Um, it's really about enabling um, the development and the testing um, of, of, of these technologies, of these solutions. And then later on, of course, I, I hope that commercial capital can come in, but for sure not in the next two years, because um, if you anticipate what's out in 10 years, it's hard to, to, to predict the return rate right now. Yeah. We need to um, um, to make sure that we um, reach out to, to, to partners that really feel this is a, this is a priority for them. Um, this it is, it is not pocket money. So we really need to set up um, the right alliance with, with strategic partners, with foundations. Um, and this is now part of my um, outreach phase as soon as we have these briefs, because I would like to talk about concrete things and not about theory. So sure. as, as, soon, as soon as we have these briefs, um, then we can start um, the, the, the outreach phase. And I think this is also 
than beneficial that I was working the last 10 years um, in the philanthropy sector that um, and we might um, be able to identify the one or the other. And to be very honest, we have a, a board um, um, that is composed by, by global leaders um, that have such a strong network, a global network. Um, so I'm not concerned that we will be able to, to knock on the right doors. Now, it's pure conjecture on my part, but I imagine that even though these anticipatory briefs haven't quite been finished, you probably have quite a few uh, philanthropies, foundations, corporates already knocking at the door, asking how can they get involved? Um, I, I'm still able to manage it. So it's it's knocking, but not, not in thousands. Um, we have especially, we had at the beginning commercial and, and government, and there we were quite clear that at the beginning we will not um, start um, um, commercial or financial collaborations with commercial capital or with governments because um, it's just important that we stay um, as as independent as possible at the start. Um, then um, with philanthropy, I'm, I'm in the first talks. Yes, um, there is interest out there, but everybody would like to 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 see a bit more concrete things, which is also fully fine. I would see this say the same when I was the CEO of the foundation, Jacobs. I would have asked, well, come back please in two months. This sounds super interesting, but I would like to have a bit a better grasp about what this could be. Do we set up a new CERN for AI in Geneva? Um, or are we about setting up a, a court for arbitration in science? Or are we about to do whatever? So it's, I think it's really key to know what will be the product at the end, the the, 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 the size of the solution, the smell of the solution, the, the type of the solution, and then you can take this. I'm excited about that. Yeah. And the the international organizations, you know, you mentioned that there's a bit of a crisis within uh, multilateral frameworks. How are they viewing your uh, your creation, your inception? How are they? Yeah. Is it, is it you know with open arms, great, or is there a little bit of territorial thinking? And you know, well, why are these guys here? No, um, I think it's not territorial thinking because we would anyway only be effective in working and collaborating with these institutions. So we are not here to replace these institutions. We are here to hopefully be a vehicle for these institutions to be impactful um, or be even more impactful than they are right now. So I think we have not had this feeling at the moment, not at least not until now. Um, and um, uh, there may be one key point also in science. Um, it's really stressing anticipation. Because usually people talk about the, the, the concerns they have right now um, and about the solutions they see right now, also in technologies. And we need always to say, yes, that's great and it's super important to do it. But the jest uh, is here to try to anticipate what is coming later, what is coming in the next five to 10 years to make sure that we can now already prepare for that. So it's not about solving something with a tool that is already here right now. It is about really trying to, to do this experiment and to go into the anticipation, um, which is something which is not going down as naturally. Um, so, and I think as long as we don't have these briefs, it sounds also a bit theoretical. Mm. And this is why this is such a key step um, to really put now all the effort, all the energy in developing these briefs. As you mentioned to me, the, the future is already taking place now in terms of scientific frontier topics, right? I mean, somewhere in Absolutely. some lab, there's some mind-blowing stuff going on that wouldn't, exactly. hit, wouldn't hit the shelves for another five years anyway. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's really identifying these, these people in these labs um, because at the end, 
the scientists would like to be impactful for, impactful for society. I mean, there is this common sense that um, these technologies should be used um, for for inclusiveness and, and and for humanity. So if we can reach out and 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 get um, get these actors collaborating, and this is really new. Usually, you have multi-stakeholder platforms, but they are not from the onset there. You already develop something from one side, and then you ask some 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 actors and sectors to join. Here, it would really be that you start from the onset, once you have identified um, a field, that you start from the onset to work together with diplomacy, with science, um, and with the impact community. And I think this is pretty cool. Um, and we need to find the right methodology how to do it. We call it the situation room mm. um, methodology. So how are we really um, going through the process and how are we linking these people through which platforms is it all virtual is it is it is it mainly physical um do we use augmented reality for that maybe um, what what are what are elements that we try to put into this into this coalition building that also makes really the the collaboration as effective as possible so we need to test that um we are not yet we are not yet there that we could say how it works we are just thinking about um, innovative and impactful ways how to do it. Excellent. I'm quite excited for you here. Tell me, so if we're looking at five or 10 year horizons, uh, 10 years from now, what is it that you, what would success look like to you guys? Well, if I try not to be modest. Um, Don't be modest, ideally, but leave modesty at the door. <laughs> <laughs> I would say ideally we would be JSTA or whatever will remain or come out of JSTA will be an element of the future development of, of the de global development agenda. So the, the next SDGs. Ideally, um, if we are really successful, science will drive the development of the next development agenda, however it will be called, however it will be framed. But I think um, this should be really, um, if, if we are successful at the global level, we are um, putting science at the core and at the driver seat of the future development agenda. That's great. So now we're seeing just as fingerprints on the on the development goals for 2045. For example. For example. <laughs> that 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 sounds like a great that sounds like a great way of looking at it. What's um, do you have a key takeaway? A key thing that you want people to uh, our listeners to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's show. Well, I would say, especially if people that work in sectors that have the liberty and independence, especially foundations, um, to, to ask the question about anticipation, to take this much more into, into consideration and to really embrace it. I was running seven years the Jacobs Foundation. We were thinking about, we were heavily research driven. Um, and we, of course, were working with people that, that are, are innovating the field, but we never really asked what is, what is science able to do in five to ten years and how are we now already anticipating solutions for that so i think really really this anticipatory thinking um i, I could imagine that this is quite trans can be quite um, um and transformative um and i would like just to invite um, everybody that is listening in his domain in his field of, of action what could an anticipatory look um at and and and, and bring to the work that people are doing Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Sandra, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Do One Better podcast today and shedding so much light on the work that you're doing at the Geneva Science and Diplomacy Anticipator or JESTA. Really great. To our listeners, please subscribe to the show. Please share widely with others if you enjoy it. It makes a world of difference. 
Sandra, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you as always. It was inspiring as always. Thank you, Alberto. Thank you for listening to the Do One Better podcast. If you want to find out more about our show, about our guests, additional links and resources, visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I dot org. And don't forget, success at the Do One Better podcast is about inspiring you to be more philanthropic, to think more about sustainability, and to embrace social entrepreneurship. Hopefully, these stories will encourage you to take action and change the world around you for the better. Thank you.